If I tell them you're in your right mind, they'll put you in prison. They'll put you in prison. They'll put you in prison. Prison? Because I'm in my right mind? What a world. Go to prison, you'll never act again. Hello and welcome to Fighting Anime, a podcast about life's big questions. I'm Marshall McCready. Today's episode is about identity and identification. What is identity and what does it mean to say that you identify as something? If you haven't checked out the last episode on doublethink and ignorance, I highly recommend it. My wife gave me some critical feedback, though. She said that I was too rambling. She said I should try to be more concise and brief, and I married her in part because I have faith in her judgment. So I'm going to try to do that. So let's blow through some housekeeping, and then we'll get into the main segment, and then uh, there will be a short follow-up segment, and I'll just be some thoughts and recommendations that I have kind of rapid fire. First, if you have any feedback about the podcast or any suggestions or anything like that, shoot me an email at fightinganime at gmail.com. And if you like this podcast, uh, please share it with your friends or share it on social media. I have some really exciting ideas for upcoming podcasts, uh, but I would love to talk about anything that you would like me to talk about too, if I want to, if it's interesting. I will. All right, let's jump into the main segment. Oh, wait, last thing. Uh, The podcast chapters didn't work. I tried to add podcast chapters, totally failed. I'm going to try again a different way. We'll see if it works. It might be totally impossible for technical reasons outside of my control. We'll see. Okay, so what is identity and what does it mean to identify as something? First, when we talk about identities, I want you to think about where. Where are identities? Can you touch them? Can you provide uh, coordinates for their geographic location? Do they have a spatial existence? Where are they in time, right? Do they exist now? Or is it like, are, are, there, are they objects that you can point to? Or are they like souls? In the religious sense, when Christians talk about a soul, is an identity more like that? Or a spirit? Or a chakra? Or is it a kind of magical essence? What is it? Where is it? How is it? What kind of thing is it? Is it like the kind of thing a soul is? I want to observe that there are a lot of different kinds of identities. When we talk about identities, we talk about, of course, we talk about gender identity. That's been a big type of identity that we've been talking about. But there's all kinds of identities. There's political identity. Are you uh, progressive or more conservative or um, libertarian? Um, There's partisan identity. Are you democratic, uh, republican, you know, um, green party There's um, religious identity. What kind of religion are you? There's like astrological identity. What's your star sign? Um, There's identities about athletics. Are you a soccer player? Are you a football player? 
Um, are you, a, what kind of music, maybe you have a musical identity. Do you play the piano? Are you a pianist? Is that an identity that you have, right? Are identities things that we have? I want to, I'm going to start a few threads here, um, but I'm going to try to connect them. There's this totally awesome book. It's very short. It's called A Self-Portrait in Black and White by a biracial, na uh, biracial man who would, would pass as black in America uh, named Thomas Chatterton Williams. He now lives in Paris, I believe. And he talks a lot about um, how people say that like black people have something in common. Just, just in the fact that they're black. That's a very American idea. And in the book, he talks about visiting, um, he was canvassing for Obama, and he visits the projects of Baltimore. Like, uh, I think a, a, a kind of extreme poverty that I don't think I've personally seen that much of. Um, and he's, he opens, uh, he's going around and this lady opens the door, and he just describes the the interaction that he had with her, and he just talks about how absurd it is to think that that their lives have something essentially deeply in common, given that he's coming from such a different cultural background, coming from like a highly educated um, uh, household with lots of books, and it's a different class uh, background. And then he talks about going to Paris, where the the thing that sticks out about him isn't his skin color at all, but his nationality. People are like, oh, you're American. And that's the primary identifier for, for a lot of people uh, in Paris for him. It's not that he's black. So when we talk about identity, I think we have to be talking about context, right? Because, because if the way that identity is understood changes when you shift social contexts, what does that mean? Are we saying that it is an actual invisible essence that you carry with you inside somewhere, somewhere that can't be possibly specified? Are we saying it's like that? If you're saying it's like that, I'm sorry, I, I totally disagree with you. I don't think things that we can't find in any way exist. <laughs> uh, but I do think identities exist. And I think that identities are habits. And if you listen to the last episode on DoubleThink, you heard me explain what habits are. But habits are basically names for behaviors uh, that are repeated over time with some degree of automaticity or reflexivity, some degree of it's about related to how hard you have to think about it, if at all, to do it. And an important thing here is that an appearance is a kind of behavior. And this can be a little tricky at first, so let me unpack it. Um, the most, uh, I think the best example here is to talk about people who change their skin color. There's not many of these people, right? That's a really hard and probably dangerous, I think it is dangerous to do, uh, but it is theoretically possible. Um, you can, um, you can darken your skin in certain ways and you can lighten your skin in certain ways. And if you do it well enough, you will pass as someone of a quote-unquote different race. Does it mean that you are a different race? Depends on what you think race is. I think that race is just a proxy for skin color. So it's more accurate for, for me at least 
to say that someone who has changed their skin color has changed their race. Because I don't think there's anything essential. I'm not a racial essentialist. I don't think there's anything essential about race that people carry with them other than a signifier in society, which is the connotations that their skin color would have to other people, you know? Um, in a recent episode of the, the Lex Friedman podcast with Glenn Lowry, Glenn Lowry is awesome. He's an incredible intellectual. He was the, one of the, he was the first um, black professor of economics at Harvard, and he's a genius. Um, he coined the term and developed uh, the concept uh, social capital in economics. Brilliant guy, really genuine and smart, and just seems just lovely. Um, but he talks about how um, to this day he'll still dress up nicer than he should have to when he goes shopping at, um, you know, kind of a upscale store so that he earns the respect that people who, uh, when, when white people go in there, they don't have to think as hard about that, right? Um, if his skin color were different, in that context, he might not have to do that, right? So context matters here. The social and cultural context um, is is a necessary part of understanding what things mean. Um, and um, so the fact that, that you can change these things um, that are considered identities means that identity is mutable, it's fungible um, to, to some extent. Um, think about Think about kind of the, the most common operationalization or instance of identity. This would be your name, right? My name is Marshall. Is that my identity? Well, it's, it's, identity, it's my identity in the sense that people identify me through my name. It is a way of identifying me. If, if everyone else died and then, and then I died... <laughs> and uh, all records of me were erased, and in the future, people dug up my body, would they find Marshall? No. Well, maybe, but I think no, because like they would find a person, but they wouldn't know my name is Marshall. There is no Marshallness in my bones, in my DNA, right? I create the impact I have on the world, and I think that's a better way to think about my martialness, but it's not in me. That's a really weird way to think about it. And I think wrong, totally wrong, <laughs> right? But, but I can change my name, right? Um, people's names change when they get married um, or people just randomly change their names, right? Does that mean that something deep about them has changed? Or does that mean that the way that we identify them, if we go, who went to the store? Marshall went to the store. And if I change my, ma my name to Jimbo, Jimbo went to the store. It's a way, the way of identifying me has changed. The way that other people would identify me has changed. Um, but have I changed? Maybe. Maybe if I go, you know what? I'm going to have a big change in my life, and, it's in order, and to signify that, I'm going to change my name to Jimbo, right? Trans people do this. Um, they change their names um, when they transition. 
and it's to indicate that they want other people to identify them a different way, right? That's part of the part of the process for them, and um, and it, it maybe and it's the same kind of it's the same kind of thing as if maybe you have a nickname, a childhood nickname that people have called you for a long time, and you you realize at some point that you're not the person that they think that you are. You've changed in some significant way since, since, the, since, um, since they knew you. And you want them to look at you differently, which means you want them to understand you differently. And so you might come to them and you might be like, like if, <laughs> I can't think of anything right now, but if someone, if people called me like Marshy, if that was something that a lot of people called me, um, and say I was in this situation where I've changed significantly, and and a lot of a lot of the people who knew me before I changed, right? I'm still me, but they knew the version of me uh, that is now outdated according to current me's perspective. Um, I might go up to them and I might be like, "Hey guys, I'm no longer Marshy. I'm Marshall now." And I want you to understand me as such, right? I'm. It, it, that's actually quite helpful. Um, like people make fun of the name change thing, but it, it's actually quite helpful because what I'm saying is, no, the person I want you to understand me as is different. And in order to help you grasp, in order to help you get your mind around the fact that I am not the same as I once was, according to my current perspective, I want you to call me a new name, right? That's kind of helpful. It signifies the change, right? It's a reminder, a sign, an indicator of the change. An important thing here is that I think everything is like that. Language is always fluctuating and it's dynamic. And language is a way of naming things. Every word is a name. Um, or it's either a name or it's some kind of syntactical sound that helps us uh, name things, right? Like and. And doesn't necessarily name something, but it names, um, it, it's an indication of, of, a, uh, of a syntactical move. In speaking about language, and, and in every sentence names something, or indicates something. And so much of life is trying to figure out the relationship between things in the world and our names for them. Because our names are standards for things, right? Like if I say, here's an example, if I go, I am a podcaster. I am a podcaster. I identify as a podcaster. I am saying that according to my understanding of the name, the concept, podcaster, and what that entails, I fit the description. I'm saying that according to the definition of podcaster, I my behavior qualifies me to earn that name. 
and you might disagree with me. I might disagree with me. This is my ninth podcast, and I took a long break between the first few podcasts and these. So am I really a podcaster? How many podcasts must I produce before I am really a podcaster and not just an aspiring podcaster, which is a different name? So much of politics of today, and I think always, is a cultural battle about names, about the proper definitions for names, right? Who gets to qualify as what name? That's really, that's really at the core of a lot of things today. Like how you relate to society, right? Which is really how do you relate to other people in your life in regards to names and naming is much like a personal relationship, a romantic relationship, uh, where you're trying to figure out what you are. And by you, I mean you as a couple. You know, you hear people say like, oh, we don't want to put a label on it. What are they saying? They're saying, we don't want to categorize it yet because the act of categorizing has certain implications for how we understand our relationship. If we go, oh, we are officially dating, that has implications for the expectations that you have of each other, right? It, it changes the expectations, which therefore changes the future. Because if someone, if one of you violates these expectations that derive from the classification, well, the other person is going to be upset probably, and that's going to determine um, the course of the relationship, right? At least for a while. So it's important. How we categorize things is really important because it sets our expectations. It orders the future in a certain, a certain direction, in a certain way. And importantly, it's also a co-construction. Like, you know, do you get to decide if you're dating someone? Like if you're stalking a celebrity and you go, you know what, I'm, I think I'm dating them now because, you know, wow, I've been within six feet of them like three times in the last, you know, 24 hours. <laughs> we're, we're basically dating. It's like, well, well, what do they think? Do they think you're dating? Right? It, there needs to be agreement for the label to stick, for the label to be appropriate. And a lot of things are like that when language is a social process. You know, I hate it so much when people, when I say, oh, I'm using the, the term this way. This is what I mean by this term. I conceptualize this concept like this, and I'm calling it this. And then when they go, well, but that's not what the dictionary says. I, th I go, well, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, think about it. What is the dictionary? The dictionary is a record that people have made of how other people use words. Did those other people, were they reading a dictionary? Maybe, but if they started using the word a different way and it caught on, well, the dictionary definition changed, right? There is no capital D dictionary that tells you the absolute meanings of words from the ether. We make words mean what they mean by how we use them. This is something that Wittgenstein uh, uh, really developed in, in, his, in his work.
the meaning of the meanings of words or how we use them, which is why you can reclaim words. Uh, like, like I like the example of the word queer. It's funny now to me, at least, to hear someone say that. I mean, I never hear someone say it like this, and that's why it would be funny, right? Because of the 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 contrast, the absurdity, the fact that I don't expect it. But if someone were to say queer in a derogatory way, that would be funny. It would be. It would feel so old. It'd be like go go back to like the the seventeenth century or whatever, you know. So, and and so the the meaning of that term, the connotations of that term, when you hear it, have changed. I think quite dramatically um, from not too long ago, and that's because the people started using it differently. So. Um, an important point that I want to make in this podcast is that you should use language intentionally and that how you use language says a lot about your beliefs and the impact you want to have on the world. Which names you say things have, you, you are perpetuating definitions when you call things a certain way. In baseball, if, you, if someone goes, oh, that was a strike. And the other person goes, what? No, that wasn't a strike. That was a foul. Or I actually don't really know what the other options are, but it wasn't a strike. It was a foul, maybe. Um, well, who's right? It really matters for the course of the game. It really matters. That's life, right? I recently published a blog post uh, that I'll link to called I Identify as Hot, Cool, Smart, and Skilled. And it is a very cynical, bitter post, um, but I think my bitterness and cynicism is justified. And it is a critique of what I call self-identification culture. Self-identification culture is when you are expressing self-identification culture when you say that people have to understand you the way that you want them to, and they have no say, no say in that, right? That is narcissistic dogmatism is what that is, right? Um, and sometimes it can be admirable. Like, you know, when, um, like, I love this movie. I, I, I can never think of the name, but it's about this uh, pastor um, in World War II uh, who resisted the Nazis, and he said he by himself really was like, no, I'm right. And he, he was killed. I'll link to it in the show notes, but it, it's an amazing movie. Um, so a lot of times I have great admiration for individuals, but, but that guy was killed. He was killed. So to say that other people don't have a say, man, you got to really... <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really work like that. They really have a say uh, in the long run, um, right? If it's it's really it's very risky. Um, and and the thing that gets me is a lot of people are demanding that that you recognize them the way that they want to be recognized, and that you don't fight back. That's the thing that gets me. It's like, nah, man, this is a fight, right? Um, and. I don't, I don't mean that in any particular way. Like, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that I have a particular viewpoint about any specific thing. I'll get into what my viewpoints are. But I'm just saying, it's always a fight, right? If there are different groups of people who have 
different ways that they want to name things, well, how are you going to hash it out, right? Um, it, it doesn't have to be a physical fight, but it's an intellectual battle, right? Um, and a battle might be an overly masculine and, and kind of um, uh, an unnecessarily antagonistic way to put it. Um, you might say like, oh, it's a discussion. And sure, I would much prefer it to be a discussion, but it, but it is until it isn't, right? Um, so when people say, like, it's Pride Month right now, and I think there are good things about Pride Month, and there are things that I seriously hate about Pride Month. And the things that I seriously hate are connected to this self-identification culture. When people walk up to you and they say some bullshit like, I'm a demisexual, or they make up something, and something, and then when you try to ask them and you're like, well, okay, so can you define that? And, it, and the definition doesn't make any sense. And it's like, well, why don't, there's already a concept for that. So like, you're just making stuff up. You're just making up this name that's not useful. It's not a useful category. And no, because I don't think it's useful, I'm not going to pretend to understand you that way just to make you feel better, right? Because if I did that all the time, then I wouldn't stand for the definitions that I wish to impart to the world. And there is obviously some leeway there, and it's important to be graceful with people to an extent, though, to an extent, or they will walk all over you. So, and here's a, I'm just going to make it really concrete. And I'm doing this not to just say my opinion, but to kind of give an example. And obviously, there's a very specific topic that comes to people's mind when talking about identity, and fine, I'm just going to talk about it. Uh, gender identity. People talk about gender identity. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people talk about gender identity in the same way religious people talk about souls, where they say, this, this is totally incoherent. If they say, like, I was born in the wrong body, you, they have to understand that they're saying that metaphorically, or they are making an extremely religious claim, right? The, the people who look askew at religious people who talk about souls and then have no skepticism towards the people who talk about their gender souls, their gender identities being within them at birth, those people are wild hypocrites. Just totally unbelievable hypocrisy there, right? <laughs> like, come on. It doesn't work like that at all. Um, there... I, I, am, I take a very performative view, and I feel like that's pretty clear from the other things I've said, um, but if, if you live the way that uh, the other people in your life understand women to live, right? If you live that way, which in live here is, is pretty holistic. I mean, it could mean all kinds of things. Talk like, look like, act like. Then I think you do qualify right? There are a lot of trans women who are more uh, stereotypically feminine, more stereotypically like women than many uh, women who aren't trans, right? Um, but in my view, and I think my view is true, otherwise I wouldn't view it this way, uh, there is a difference between trans women and women who aren't trans. 
then it's in a very important difference. It is a physical, biological difference. You have ovaries or you don't. Sexual dimorphism is an unavoidable fact of nature for human beings. And if you tell me that a trans woman, okay, and it's, by the way, the mere fact, when people say that trans women are women, the mere fact that they're having to use the term trans woman to indicate who they're talking about, the mere fact that they're having to do that indicates a difference. Right? Otherwise, they would just say women are women, and the meaning of their statement would not be understood. They're saying different things are the same. It's totally incoherent. What they, it would be much better to say, and I think that the, I agree with this in many cases, although not in all, what they're saying is trans women should be respected in the same way as women and as everyone else. They should have the same rights and privileges. Now, I don't think that that's totally true. I think that's mostly true. I think that we should expand healthcare coverage to, um, to help people who want to transition, transition. And I think that it's, it's okay and probably good to, to have more gender neutrality in uh, a lot of cultural things that are, I think, unnecessarily gendered and overly gendered for reasons that ultimately, I think, are tied to profit um, and uh, a, kind of, uh, a kind of capitalistic profit motive, right? Which I don't think that's always bad. I think profit can be really good. But here, I just think that it's just feeding on itself in a way that has kind of unnecessarily bad cultural impacts, and so I don't support it. Like, the unnecessary gendering of things like cooking, right? When you look at kids' toys, why are cooking things so often pink? Well, that kind of sucks. Like, I like to cook. I want to learn how to cook better. I think men can cook. I think there's nothing necessarily connect. There's no necessary or not even, there's no necessary connections with anything. But <laughs> to me, it doesn't really make any sense. That's all I'm saying. It doesn't make any sense to say that there's something feminine about cooking, right? Why would... I don't, I can't, I don't see any connection. The, the, the connection is purely historical um, and, and I think unnecessary. So I'm against that. But if you want to say that trans women are women in the sense that trans women should compete in professional sports against women who aren't trans, I am going to firmly, firmly disagree with you on that one because trans women have a distinct biological advantage. Not all of them, not all of them, but the vast majority of them will have a will have a advantage over the vast majority of women who aren't trans and it's really there's the data on this is pretty undeniable i'll put a link to a really good website that shows that high school boys high school boys perform better at so many um contests in sports from swimming to track and so on than olympic level adult women, right? And the reason for that is male puberty. You know, Leah Thomas in an interview recently said, this is the transgender, this is the trans women who totally destroyed competitively uh, women who aren't trans in a swimming competition. 
And I think people were justifiably outraged by this. I was. I am. Because of the unfairness, the unsportsmanship, lack of sportsmanship. Uh, but Leah Thomas said, she goes, well, I, uh, I, my performance has decreased since I've taken estrogen, like since I've been on these hormones. And it's like, well, yeah, I don't doubt that, but, but you went through a period that lasted for years in your life in which you were constantly being dosed with high levels of testosterone while your body was maturing and your bones were changing and your muscles were changing, right? The impacts that the, the, you can think of it as a drug. It is kind of like, it's an endogenous, it's an endogenous hormone, an endogenous drug. Like we have cannabinoid systems, endocannabinoid systems in our minds and our, in our brains rather, or in our, in our bodies, right? In our bodies. Um, and we have uh, opiate systems in our bodies, right? We produce uh, what are drugs externally, internally through working out. Um, like you create energy working out. How does that work? Your body is making drugs. That's a, it's one way to think about it. Um, so like, so yeah, so to go through male puberty on average, on average, um, so like for the most part, <laughs> uh, is to be constantly dosed with high levels of testosterone while your body is going through incredibly formative changes. You can't take that back. You can't take it back. You just can't. And the people who say otherwise are lying to you or they are totally misunderstanding the data, right? I am totally cool with saying that because, man, am I confident about that one, <laughs> right? I really don't think this is going to last long, but it might. But, uh, you know, that's a distinction that makes a difference, right? In most contexts, I don't want I don't want to name people trans women or women. I want to treat them like how I would treat all women, right? Like if I see someone in Costco and they appear to be a woman to me, and honestly, even if they appear to be a trans woman, right? Because there is it is noticeable oftentimes uh, that trans women are trans women, right? There's you can't can't cancel me for that or whatever. Like it's obvious a lot of the times. Um. I'm still going to treat them like a woman, of course, right? How rude would it be not to? Like, it would be like if, if, well, I can't think of anything, but so, so, but the important thing here is that it's a negotiation. This is the point, right? And if, if, and really what the thing that I don't like about pride is the, the dogmatism, if if someone were to come up to me and they were to say, I, okay, let's just take, I am not comparing gender identity to what I'm about to describe here. I am not comparing them. I'm drawing, I'm bringing this up to bring out a difference, okay? <laughs> so it's a difference. But there are these people who I think are crazy and crazy only means that I really disagree with them. I don't think that there's something in their brains, no. I'm just saying I really disagree with them morally. How they're living their lives, I disagree with it. It doesn't make sense to me, and I think it's not productive. That's all I'm saying when I say that I think they're crazy. I'm not trying to pathologize them. I don't think they need to go to a doctor. Um, but I think, in my view, it would be preferable to me if they changed their lives. But there are these people who spend a lot of time 
pretending to be animals, uh, like wolves or foxes or, I don't know, unicorns. Yes, unicorns. And, and if they, if they were like, when you see me at Costco, I want you to treat me like a wolf. And this is obviously a really extreme example that hopefully will never happen. But this, I'm just using it as a thought experiment. I'm going to say no on that. And I'm gonna, that's going to be a firm no from me. They're going to say, hey, I believe I qualify for this name, which means I believe that I qualify for the implications of a certain uh, application of a category, right? I believe that the category wolf, say they are, they're a wolf person, and they're like, they say that they are, and they're like, I identify as a wolf, and so I'm going to go to Costco, I'm going to walk on four legs. It's already funny that they're at Costco in the first place. It's funny, so many things are funny about us, but it, particularly going to Costco. Um, and they're, they're walking on all fours, and they're holding their food in their mouths or whatever at Costco, and they're like, I'm a wolf. I, have, I believe that I deserve, I deserve for you to treat me as a wolf. I qualify for this name. You get it? I'm going to say, according to me, you don't. You don't qualify for this name because the definition of wolf doesn't include you, according to my understanding. And you are so far removed from it that I can't continue to live the life that I understand and accept that you are a wolf. That is too disruptive in a way that I think is bad. So no, right? It's a negotiation. It always works like that. Um, that's why I, this, is a, this is a very realistic, but it's also a harsh, a blunt thing to say. But when people talk about human rights and they say like, oh, well, this is a human right, right? There is no human rights in the world. These are things that we create. So if there's a category of, of person, and we, so time, you have to bring time in here, people who we now understand to be human in the same way as us, that was created. It wasn't just, it wasn't discovered, right? Because there is no, where is humanity? Where is it? Is there some absolute definition of humanity somewhere that you can point to and find with some unquestionable authority who has defined it somewhere? Or is it political and social and cultural and all of those things? And is it something that we change the way that we interact with certain people? And see, to say it, to bring people in, like when uh, a time, a time that shifted when uh, if, if there was a lot of racism, uh, just horrible racism against a group, but then over time, um, that the group that was oppressed by their racism is assimilated into the culture, um, to say, oh, uh, we are all humans here, is to say we should all be treated the same way. The meanings of the, cla the classifications are the implications, right? The implications are what matter. When people say, I identify as something, they're saying, I believe that you should treat me according to the implications of this category. 
and people get so caught up like with in the trans the transgender issue is such a good example because people are totally talking past each other i think i think a lot of trans activists and trans people are when they say and and really this is like a just a terrible activist slogan i, I really think act i have i don't like activists for the most part i think there can be some good activists but i think activists do more harm than good um on, on average um when activists have these really oversimplistic talking points that are just on the face false and like defund the police when when the <laughs> God, that was so stupid, defund the police. And then every time you'd ask someone, they'd be like, well, I don't actually mean defund the police. And it's like, well, fucking stop saying it. Stop it. Say something else then. Like, what's the point of saying something that you immediately have to contradict, right? It, and then you're upset with with people like me for not getting it? Be more clear in your language. So, but when people say, like, trans women are women, like I mentioned earlier, most of the time they're saying, hey, I want to be treated like a woman. And you know what? What is not specified in that? What's not specified is the contexts. I think a lot of trans people totally get the thing about the sports. I think a lot of, I, because I think it's so obvious and because I've, 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 uh, I've met some who do and I've, and I've seen people online who do get it. They're like, yeah, that's totally unfair, <laughs> right? So there, but I, but I still want to be treated like a woman in these other contexts, right? We got to be more specific here. And then like you have the conservatives who, like, who's this guy? Um, Matt Walsh. I don't like him, uh, but I think he can be kind of, he can push back against the people who are really unreasonable um, on this issue in a way that I think is pretty good. I haven't seen his What is a Woman movie uh, I actually tried to watch it, um, and I couldn't sign up for the subscription. Uh, I, apparently, they were having like a cyber hack. Uh, they might have just had a technical glitch and been like, "The trans hackers are, <laughs> the trans hackers are getting us." And maybe that's true. I don't know, but I haven't seen it. But, uh, but you know, he went around and he was like, "What is a woman?" And the point of people like him and, and the conservatives who are like, "No, we need this definition of woman." What are they saying? They're saying, no, we need to keep uh, a conceptual difference because of the implications, right? It's always about the implications. They go, well, well, if trans women are women, then this particular category that we, like, so the conservatives would say real women. I don't really think it's, it's uh, you need to add that term real. I think that's unnecessarily um, denigrating to trans women. I think it's okay just to say trans women and women, um, and maybe I'll maybe I'll evolve on that. Um, but I, I think it's important to have the the distinction when talking about the difference, right? How are we going to talk about the difference? What, what's what's actually really funny is is how are the activists, how are trans activists going to keep their jobs uh, if if people just even even if people didn't treat trans women equally to women, but they just started calling them women, right? <laughs> if people did that, which, you know, that's kind of a paradox, it's kind of a contradiction in what I just said, but say, say a lot of people just spontaneously, spontaneously started pretending to play along, 
right? I, this often happens, particularly in dogmatic groups, right? People pretend to play along all the time. I think a lot of people are playing along today, actually. Um, I did for a while before I realized, no, I actually have a limited time on this earth and I want to make the impact I want to have. And if you have a problem with what I'm saying, cool, talk to me, but I'm not going to bow before you. Um, uh, for, uh, they're saying like, um, yeah, if everyone started, started playing along and calling, uh, trans women, women, the trans activists, they would have to be the one to make the distinction again and be like, Hey, I know you're, you're calling them all women, but you're actually treating them differently. And then, and then the people who were pretending to be playing along, they'd be like, Oh, who, who are you talking about? Are you saying that there's a particular category of people? Are you saying that there's two distinct populations here and not just one homogenous one? Oh, oh, are you are you calling them something different? How dare you? How dare you make a difference? Right? It's just such bad faith on the part of the act on the part of the activists, right? Um, but the conservative people, and not all conservatives, but you know, a lot of the cultural conservatives are upset about this, and, and I think often justifiably, I, I, I agree with them on certain things here, um, when they say like, no, trans women aren't women. <laughs> what are they saying? It's again, it's about the implications. They're saying there are spaces, contexts, in which the distinction makes a difference, and that difference should be uh, codified in the rules of the game, basically. Uh, whether that is the rules of the game for entry into a women's prison, right? There have been cases, there was one not too long ago in the UK, um, where a woman was raped by a trans woman in the prison. That happens, right? To pre and, and, and you can't be someone who cares about, about that uh, and not take it seriously, right? Like, I, I see trans activist people, like, just go, oh, well, pff, not all trans women are rapists. And it's like, no one was saying that. I mean, I don't think, I sure to God hope no one was saying that. I would never say that because it's not true at all. It's not even remotely true. Very, very few people are rapists, right? Men rape. Men do most of the raping. I'm a man and I'm not a rapist, right? Most men, the vast, vast, vast majority of men aren't rapists, but many men are. Too many. Um, so, uh, like, it matters, right? Should, should we just, if every time someone brought up that a woman was raped by a man, should we be like, hey, not all men are rapists. Shut up about that. Hell no. No. We should be like, oh my god, that's terrible. Is it preventable? <laughs> How can we stop that, right? And what are the trade-offs? And are certain trade-offs worth taking here uh, to to have these preventable measures, or was this something that was just like, oh, all of and like it's so it was just so horrible and tragic, and all of the variables conspired in a way that was really unique and probably would never happen again, and it was just like a terrible, unfortunate circumstance, and the fact that it's not clear how we could prevent such a thing in the future, that makes it all the more tragic and terrible, right? Like, that's the thing with a lot of mass shootings, right? A lot of the times, there's not really a reasonable policy uh, that could have possibly prevented it, right? Um, sometimes there is, a lot of the times there's not. Um, so, yeah, so the conservatives are saying, 
no, trans women aren't women because we don't want trans women to compete against women in physically demanding sports, right? That's what they're saying. Again, but they're just not, people are just going around saying these really oversimplistic things and not specifying the context. I think a lot of the conservatives would be like, okay, yeah, like if I, you know, if I, if a trans woman came to my church and was trying to find God, or if I saw a trans woman at the gas station pumping her gas, I wouldn't, I wouldn't treat her differently than a woman. I wouldn't be, and like, cause like, what would that even mean? Like how, how gendered are your interactions? <laughs> like how, what, what, what are the things, are you going around like, what, yeah, like you're at Costco, I was at Costco recently, and I was just thinking, I love Costco, it's great. Although it's great until you check out, and then when you're checking out, you just feel like a herd animal just like eating out of your trough. Like everyone just has like massive amounts of food, and you're in this like massive line, and you're just, I hate that part. It really makes me feel like a creature or like a robot or something. Then that like makes me feel inhuman. But until I get to that point, man, it's great. Like I'm like, oh my God, I'll have chicken for weeks. Oh, and it's so cheap. So, I'm conflicted, but it's mostly good. But like, how gendered are your interactions where if you see someone at Costco who's a woman, you're gonna be like, like you might you might use like female pronouns, but is there anything else that you're doing? Like, which, are you gonna help her? Maybe she's trying to lift something heavy and you'll help her lift it, is that? But you wouldn't do that for like uh, a midget or a really thin, weak man you wouldn't help them you'd only help like i can't even really think of many situations where you wouldn't treat people like individuals and isn't that a conservative position so and but i think most conservatives would agree with that right i think they're just saying hey uh trans women shouldn't be allowed in uh women's uh shelters for domestic abuse because the risks are too high there for men to for abusers to identify as women and try to go after them. Maybe, I don't know. That's a case that you could argue about, right? But I'm trying to flesh out here that the constant, when we talk about identification and identity, when we're talking about I identify as, we're talking about implications. We're saying, I want you to treat me like this, right? And it would be even better if we could be more specific with it and we could say, I want you to treat me like this in these particular contexts. I uh, wrote that blog post, I identify as hot, cool, smart, good, and skilled, skilled and good, because I really wanted to draw out this social negotiation. Do you decide by yourself if you're skilled? No, you really, really don't for the vast majority of things, right? Your skill is validated socially. Like if you're a pianist and you go to play before any other respected pianist, and they constantly are like, wow, you suck. You, you actually don't even know the basics at all. You are not good at this. You need to learn. You need to discipline yourself in the practice of piano. And if you were to be like, screw you guys, get used to it. I, I identify as a, pian as a skilled pianist. I have this skill at piano, and you need to, just to get over it. And it's actually oppression is oppression and marginalization and exclusion and discrimination and destigmatization and uh, all of the otherizations for you to say that I'm not a skilled pianist? Like, sorry, dude, you're not an adult. Grow up. Grow up and realize that you live in a society with other people, and that takes negotiating with other people about what things are, right? 
If you don't want to do that, kill yourself. For real. Because, or, or go, go into the middle of the wilderness. Because if you want to live in a society, you have to respect other people. That's what it comes down to. You have to admit, <laughs> unfortunately, other people exist, right? And if you live in a democratic society, which is, the, in my view, by far the best kind of society to live in, oh my god, look at the other societies that aren't democratic, in my view, way worse, especially on average, way worse. Um, so if you want to do that, you want to live the life that, that is, that, uh, you know, where you have the freedom or more freedom at least to do what you want to do, admit, grow up and admit that you live with other people and that you have to contend with them to get what you want, right? You have to learn how to interact with people to get what you want. You can't just say my way or nothing. <laughs> it's like, nope. This isn't an authoritarian society where you're the ruler, you little spoiled child. Doesn't work like that. Um, and, you know, like, so, so what am I doing here? I, when I'm, I am someone who I have just decided I am comfortable sharing my opinion, right? And that can get me into trouble. And, um, but I think it's mostly good for me. I think because I want to stand up for what I believe in. I want to make the impact that I want to have on the world, right? And so most of that is through language for me because I'm kind of, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm here I am questioning my, do I qualify? Do I qualify as an intellectual? I don't think so. That feels too, that feels too big of me to say about myself. I'm only, am I 25 or 26? I, I think I'm 26. I'm only 26 and... You know, I, I don't know that much. I really, really don't. There's so much I don't know. Um, so I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say that I'm an intellectual, but I'm an aspiring intellectual um, and an aspiring, you know, psychotherapist. And so a lot of the impact that I want to have on the world, pretty much most of it is mediated through language, different kinds of language. And so I decided, wow, I really need to take my language seriously and I need to name things how I think that they should be named. And hopefully I can do so in a persuadable way, right? And really, you need to think about that, right? Every time that you concede, every time you go, hey, I think it's like this. I think this is the way to categorize it, classify it, name it. And someone else goes, no, 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 it's actually this other way. It should be understood this other way uh, because the implications are different, right? The distinction makes a difference and, and I think it should be this way. If you don't put up a fight, or you don't disagree with them, and you don't, it doesn't, like, I'm using these terms, I, I need a, a better way to talk about it, fight is so contentious. Actually, fighting with people, that's really not a good way to get them to, to persuade them, right? Like, so, gosh, so many, I used to watch in high school these, uh, these debates between atheists and religious people. And, uh, you know, I think that was, it was, it wasn't that bad of a thing to do. It was kind of educational, but, but a lot of them are just a total waste of time. And a lot of them are in such bad faith. Like a lot of them, you can tell that people don't like each other at a personal level. And what's, what's so striking is, is like, wow, what is winning here? What is winning? Is winning making the opponent go, ah, you know what? I was contradicting myself, but I hate you so much. And I hate people I hate you so much, and that leads me to think that people like you suck, 
And so I don't want to suck. So I'm not going to think what you think. That's how most thinking is. You know, <laughs> people aren't like robots. They're not like, oh, conflict and belief. So therefore, I should change to this other thing. Like, no, they, they care about the social and cultural context. They're like, do those people suck? Are they mean and rude? And do they do things that I don't like? Well, I don't want to be a part of their group. And not being a part of their group means not agreeing with their ideas. Because their group is defined by their ideas a lot of the times. It is, especially with atheists. Like, I, I tend to see things as cultural and ideological. I think it's the best possible way. And I'm, I'm a conservative in that sense, right? Um, that's cool. Um, I, I think that culture is the way that groups should be grouped. And by no other means, because I'm an anti-essentialist. I don't think that... I, I'm kind of an anti-racialist. I, I really don't think that we should talk about race except in the cases where it's very, very, very clear that it matters. And I think that it's mattering less and less and not more and more. I think we should move past it, right? Um, and I, I think that's the case with gender to an extent, uh, but only to an extent. Um, because I think that because, because biological sex has uh, implications that I think are more important, and I don't think that race has any implications, right? I can't even re—I was thinking about this about myself. I've done the 23andMe thing, and I've looked into my ancestry, and I'm like some high percentage of Scottish or Irish, but I can never remember. <laughs> I can never remember which one it is, and you know why I can't remember it? It's because I so don't care. I so don't care. I don't care about my ancestry or anyone's ancestry, really, in terms of how I treat them. It's interesting. Like, I'm, I did it because it's interesting, right? It's interesting. But only to an, to an extent, right? I really, I really hope. I try not to. I don't think I do. And I really hope not to care at all, at all, about your ancestry. I care about you, if I care about you. Not, not your ancestors. They're not the people I'm knowing. So why would I care? I don't care. And caring about things like that, that's like caring about race, right? Like, it doesn't say anything about you, right? There is no whiteness. There is no blackness. There is no whateverness. It doesn't exist. There's just people in the world who are individuals acting, and, and there might be certain patterns, right? But, but, but what, these patterns aren't based on race. They're based on these other factors that happen to correlate with, with skin color, but don't always. And so even talking about the skin color, it's not a useful way to even talk about the difference in the first place because it just masks the class usually. Usually the vast majority of the time, it's class-based economic variables, right? It just glosses over these things um, that we could talk about with more precision, more specificity, and without the risk of racial essentialism which is horrendous, horrendous in any form, any form, to go, to say that a particular group is better than another group because of the race, that's racial essentialism, no, right? It's not true, right? People are individuals. Um, so, 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 uh, so I'm, I'm using the categories in a particular way, and I'm trying to be intentional with that. Um, ugh. Okay. I hope this has made sense. You know, when I make podcasts, I just start talking, and I, I have, I, I'm looking at an outline. I made an outline today, 
Um, but I don't know if anything I said makes sense. Um, hopefully, hopefully, um, there, there were some thoughts there that, that, that kind of were provocative to you that, that kind of stood out and made you question or rethink some things. Um, uh, but I think, I think I've said everything that I've, I have to say today about identity and identification. And let's move on to our second segment about, uh, thoughts and recommendations gonna hit you some thoughts and recommendations first thought children are really stupid people say that children are smart I don't understand that at all I think all they mean is that children are curious and so they make the adults think about things they don't generally think about and also that children tend to appear to be faster learners than adults they are faster learners generally than adults but like they're not there's not like a thing that children have where they're smarter. Like, what would be the meaning of smart there? It was kind of like when people, when people, I, I still can't believe, I cannot believe that this happened. But do you remember back a couple, I don't know how many years ago, not that long ago, with the Greta Thunberg thing? Greta, old person name, looking ass, Thunberg, who was like 12, and people were like, like, the, all of that about like championing her and her whole thing that made no sense to me like wow imagine being like a climate change or like a, a global warming activist and being like oh my god people aren't people aren't taking us seriously how can we be taken seriously how can we really help people think that this is a serious issue oh i know i know let's have an aspie 12 year old yell at people they'll love that they will love that Anyone who disagreed with us before, and anyone who was on the fence, they're definitely more likely to agree with us now that we have this 12-year-old yelling at him. <laughs> God, that's funny. That's so funny. She was so annoying, too. Like, the scalding. It's like, and, and then, and then, and then when, <laughs> when the people who are, like, propping her up, when they were like, oh, shit, this is backfiring, instead of just, like, kind of laying low with it, they're like, oh, so you're saying she's retarded? <laughs> they made it about that. And people were like, fucking no, it's because she's 12. <laughs> Do you see her, that she's 12? <laughs> Why would you listen to her? Should, should we just make the next, if children are so smart, should we just just lower the age limit, like dramatically can't be above 18 to be president? Like, are you serious? Yeah, so children are stupid. Um... Recommendation for a game, a board game, Secret Hitler. That's a really fun game. It's like $35 on Amazon, but it's also free online. Well, it's not totally free. You have to pay to have it. You can print uh, if you have a printer with ink. I don't have that anymore because I'm not like 60. Uh, but uh, you can print out the cards and cut them out. Um, but honestly, the game is worth it. The, the pieces are really cool. But <laughs> what's funny about Secret Hitler is I was playing it with some friends last night, actually. And at the end, they were like, oh, Marshall, you're a, you're a really good liar. And I was like, uh, thanks. And what was funny about that is I was like, huh, should I, should I like play double secret Hitler? <laughs> Where I like am conscious about how good I am at lying while playing secret Hitler so that in real life people don't think that I am secretly Hitler-esque. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I, I listened to the, the Double Think uh, podcast to hear why I 
I, I don't think that lying in a board game is really lying, um, but, but it's a funny, funny thought. Um, okay, another thought. Have you ever, like, thought about doing something bad? Like, and you were like, oh, man, this is, oof, this might be bad. And this is, this might be bad. And then, but you're like, it might be good, too. It might be worth it. You're not sure what it is, but you're, you're thinking about it and you're planning on it. And you tell other people, you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. I'll do that. I'll do that thing. Uh, but you have some doubt in your mind and you're, like, trying to work through it, right? Like, you're, and, and maybe your other buddies are the same way. Like, they're also, like, okay, yeah, sure, like, going along with it, but they're, like, on their own, they're kind of like, I don't know about this. But then as the time gets closer, have you ever had that thing where you're like, hey, guys, we actually shouldn't do this. Like, we shouldn't do that. Actually, it's not a good idea. And then it's like, okay, yeah, nah. What if you were horribly punished for years for that? What if the government was like, hey, I see that even though you didn't do it, you were thinking about maybe doing it, and that thought crime... Jail. That's an attack. Jail. 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 Really, I think I hate these guys. I I think these guys are bad. They are bad, right? And I think that what they're doing is bad. I don't like them. I don't like their perspective. But these proud boy guys, right? And these militias, these right-wing militias, and the FBI, the FBI big daddy government is coming in and being like, hey, you were thinking about maybe doing something. Seditious conspiracy, attack on democracy from the FBI, the shadow FBI government that we that won't release information to the public. They're the ones, and they're like, hey, you people, hey, you, you mostly low-class, uh, relatively uh, uneducated people um, who were thinking about doing a thing, Y'all are a threat to democracy. Imagine agreeing with that, right? That bugs me. Okay, awesome recommendation. There is this YouTube uh, channel, and I don't know, the name of it, it's like Michael Sugru. Michael and then S-U-G-R-U-E. Posts these totally awesome 45-minute to an hour lectures on various philosophers, and they are so good. I mean, they're like old style, but... The, the lectures are awesome. They're funny. They're engaging. They're witty. Um, I will link to two of them that if you want to understand my perspective more, listen to these. I'm going to link one about Nietzsche's perspectivalism and then one about William James' pragmatism. Uh, totally awesome uh, videos. Um, another thought, you know, when we talk about things as natural, really, I think we're just saying that they're easy. And even when we're talking about the world, like if we, I think we just mean it's easy to leave it the way that it's happening, right? I think we're just saying it's easy. Like if, if you were to, uh, if you were like a, I don't know, you walked up to a river and you were talking to someone and you were like a, you were trying to make a new port or something like a new way to, to ship goods, transport goods and supplies. And the one guy was like, uh, oh, like, should we, should we, like, build a bridge over the, over the river? And the other person would be like, build a bridge? Uh, why don't we just build a dam? Like, say that building a dam is cheaper or something. It's like, we could build a dam and it'd be cheaper. And the other guy would be like, well, that's not natural. The water must flow. The water must flow for nature. The other guy would be like, what the hell are you talking about? No, we can put a dam and then... And then the water stops at the dam, and then that becomes the new natural water state. 
you know like because like I, I, I try not to talk about, I try not to say things are natural because I think I'm so, you know, aware of the naturalistic fallacy just because something is natural. Like cancer is natural. Cancer is natural. Heart disease is natural. Literally everything is natural, <laughs> right? Like what, where do the things that don't derive from nature, like even the most artificial thing you can think of is natural like it derives from nature and is now part of the world part of the natural environment part of nature like if all humans were to die it would be there and the animals would walk past it and poke it and it would be part of their natural environment so um but when i say like oh that's really natural for me to say or to do or to fall into really i just mean easy i think that's what i think that's what we mean okay another recommendation there's this show on netflix called animal it's so good it's about animals and really cool animals like dogs and did you know like dogs they have like these specialized they evolved these really cool springy tendons in their forearms and so like wild dogs can run over 40 miles an hour 40 miles an hour for a dog that's crazy um but the best episode and they have all these cool narrators too like i think like rashida jones and pedro the pedro guy who was in the Wonder Woman movie that sucked, I think, and other ones, other really good narrators. The narration is great. Uh, the the one about the octopi. Oh man, that octopi are so cool. They have so many superpowers. They and they're so smart. Like the coolest thing was like there was this. Uh, there was this. They were following this one octopus, and it was like, it was in these like, uh, wow, what's it called? Uh, waterway things or something, uh, and it was like. The sun was coming up, and so, like, the water levels were shrinking, and so when the water levels shrinked, it kind of left, like, these puddles, and the the uh, octopus was going to be, like, trapped in the puddles. So what it did was it, like, sucked water behind itself, and it created, like, a water supply, and it, bre- it breathed through that. Isn't that cool? And it was, like, and it would strategically move to other areas. So cool. Also, there's this one subspecies of, or this one species of octopi, they, they find tools, literally, they find things, and they're really picky about it, and they find them in their environment, and they use them as shells. They create their own shells, and they carry them around with them, like gear, like body armor, to protect and to hide from, to protect themselves from predators and to hide from them. That is so cool nature is so cool like we don't even need sci-fi i mean i like like, sci-fi movies have interesting thought experiments that that aren't in nature but man we don't really need aliens like because we can just use octopuses like so cool um another thing uh do you remember well you don't remember i mean hopefully not unless you are a witch i was going to talk about (laughs) do you remember when people used to persecute women as witches and by the way witches do exist in a sense Find yourself an angry old woman who is miserable, and misery loves company. She wants everyone else to be miserable, too, and she's manipulating the people around you. And you you come to discover that people think these thoughts that you didn't know that uh, that they thought, and it's because this woman behind the scenes has been pulling the strings, strings, right? What is that if not a hex? You know, a hex is just a simple way to talk about all of that experience, right? So there are witches in a sense, but not in like they're not like practicing re- like dark magic in a way that the scientists would appreciate but the the unfalsifiable tests that they would do were really funny <laughs> i mean terrible of course but also kind of funny where they'd be like oh 
we're going to throw you in the river. And, and if you float, if you float too quickly, well, means you're probably a witch with this weird special power. And they also thought, like, if you weren't baptized, I think you, I think you would float if you weren't baptized or something. Anyways, but if you floated too much, then it was like, well, that's, that's inhuman to float that much. But if you sank too much, it'd be like, well human bodies don't sink that much. So no matter what happens, they could be like, well, that was an inappropriate amount of floating or sinking. But I was thinking when the robots take over, how they'll do that for, for humans is they'll just give us like a captcha, one of those things where you have to like, like on Google and there's like like a tile, like, I don't know, three by three tiles or something. And it's like, select all the fire hydrants, but there won't be any fire hydrants, <laughs> but you can't move on until you select something. <laughs> And so, like, you'll just be like, uh, and you'll, like, click one tile, or, or you'll just, like, click next one. No matter what you click, they'll be like, incorrect, definitely a human. <laughs> Death for you. That would be their unfalsifiable test. Um. <laughs> okay. Um, when, when people talk about, um, when they talk about brain plasticity slowing down, like, I hear, um, like, I listen to the Andrew Huberman podcast which is really good it's called the Huberman lab uh it's about he's like a neuroscientist at stanford and it's all about like health and stuff i think he's a little too much with it like like he's like he's like if you want to maximize the utility of your standing desk you want to alternate between standing and sleeping uh, he always has like these like polysyllabic even polysyllabic is a very no obnoxious way to put it he has these long words where he'll be like uh, to the decision procedure of the uh, the protocol of the blah, blah, blah. But he'll, he'll be like, stand for 90 minutes and then sit for an additional 30 minutes and then go get some matcha tea. And it's like, okay, bro, like, I have to live my life. I can't just constantly be thinking about the way I'm living my life. I have to also be engaged in things too. Like, like <laughs> it's too much. But he talks about brain plasticity. And you know what? It sure is a coincidence that your brain plasticity, on average, be declines in your early 20s um, quite dramatically. And that's also the time that you start really developing routines that last for years. I sure think that's a coincidence. Like, like you know, like maybe if you were, and this is not the average, right? So this would show up in terms of the statistics. Uh, but if you were someone who was constantly experiencing new things throughout your 20s, constantly meeting new kinds of people who spoke different kinds of languages, trying to learn new kinds of instruments, and constantly um, going to new places with new kinds of things, I kind of have a sense that uh, your brain plasticity probably doesn't slow down nearly as much. Slow down, you know, that your brain doesn't lose its plastic uh, capacities um, at nearly the same degree as the average 20 year old right and this is why social psychology is the best discipline and not just social psychology sociological social psychology this is an having having an emphasis on the environment uh, rather than the inv individual but while also considering the individual qua individual as an individual um that's the best sci social scientific discipline and i think really the best scientific discipline for making sense of human life, right? Because brain plasticity and its um, its uh, manifestations over time, that needs to be contextualized within the psychology of the person 
and the environment as well and the interactions between the two. Um, there's a thought. Um, when we say that I'm biased, uh, I think we're just saying I'm me because everyone's biased. Like if you go like, well, I'm biased because of my history. It's like, well, who isn't? Do, are there some, are there people without histories I should know about? Who are these like floating heads? Right. So like, why do we even need to talk about that? Like your, your bias is usually what you stand for. Right. So like, like if I said, like about the things that I talked about on this podcast, I'm not going to apologize for being biased about those things. They're my opinions. <laughs> I'm proud of my opinions, right? Until I'm not, unless, unless you email me back and you email me and you say something and it changes my mind, then I'll shift my opinion and maybe I'll be proud of shifting my opinion. Um, I try not to be proud of too many things. Um, and when I say that I'm proud of my opinions, I don't feel pride about them. That's, I, I shouldn't have used that term. I just saying that I believe in them, right? I stand by them, right? I'm willing to sacrifice for these opinions. So I'm not sorry for them. I'm not sorry for having opinions and being biased. The, the same people who like apologize profusely for being biased are usually the people who aren't really saying that much, right? Um, there's a thought. Another thought coming at you. When people say like, like Christians make this argument, and I think religious people generally, like theists, people who believe that there is the God, the one, the monotheistic God, they'll be like, well, look around. Don't you see? There is creation. So there must be a creator. And it's like, well, yes, if there is creation. But what is creation? Like, what does it, what is an, what is a thing that is created versus a thing that just happens? Like when, when water flows over rocks and then the grooves in the rocks, it creates grooves in the rocks, right? And like moss grows on the rocks or something. Is that creation? Or is that just things happening? Like if I, if I plagiarize an essay and I turn in the essay and I go, I created this essay, please give me a grade. Did I really create the essay? I would say, no, I didn't create the essay. Not really. I don't think that's a useful t way to talk about creation because then creation just means things happening. And, and then the idea that like a, a creation has a creator just is like, well, for things to happen, there must be a thing that made the things happening. There, for things to happen, there must be a happener. It's, it's not quite as convincing, is it? So when I look around the world, I see a lot of people plagiarizing. And I see a lot of the world plagiarizing itself, so to speak. Like, you know, the water flows in one direction and, wow, the next water flows in that direction too. Wow, way to plagiarize the previous water water. Wow, you just keep plagiarizing the last water. Why don't you form your own way? Make a new channel. Come on. <laughs> but really, like, and the trees keep growing, right? And it's like, well, you know, maybe you should grow a little bit differently, right? And that's kind of the beauty of evolution is it's like, it's like this, like, I think what's so weird, it's weird to me that, that religious people don't, like, I get it. I get why they don't like evolution. But to me, like, uh, the, 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 Evolu like ex I, I, to me, it makes way more sense to be like, yes, there is evolution, all of it, and God made it, and God is kind of like within the force of evolution, and isn't that cool? Isn't that cool how things evolve? Like, looked at, look at octopi. What the hell is that? 
right? Those evolved, what does that even mean, evolved? How did that evolve, right? It evolved, but like, how? How? The majesty and the mystery is in the how, not in it clearly, like, it clearly evolved. But like, but like, what do we mean more concretely by that, right? Like, that's, I think there's so much space for wonder uh, just because we don't know, right? I don't know if we can know. Um, hopefully, we can. Um, but uh, but yeah, like I I see people, I see people just regurgitating the things that their parents told them, right? I see people making the same mistakes over and over again. I don't really see that much creation in the world, um, and that's why it's so special. That's why it's so beautiful and special and awesome and cool when it is there and someone makes something original and unique and you're just like, wow, wow, how did that happen? How, how is there new stuff? That's cool. That's so cool, right? That's rare and special. And I think you, it comes from people, right? So I, I just, uh, I, think, I think a lot of times people attack the creator side of things like Richard Dawkins, uh, it's like, whatever but like i really think that the first the first part is the more important part of like what, what even is creation and what's a useful way to conceptualize that there's a thought um and here is another thought um tolerance like i talked about i kind of touched on this but people talk about tolerance there is no tolerance with a capital t right there is no one tolerance. And every form of tolerance is a form of exclusion. Like, everything, like, the idea that that you can just tolerate without being intolerant of something else, with like, that you can go, A exists, and without saying that not A doesn't exist, that's the same, that's the philosophical equivalent of saying that you can tolerate something but not simultaneously intolerate the opposite of it, right? Every time that you say that you're tolerant of something, you're intolerant of the opposite of it. That's what it means, right? Um, but like people who are like, oh, you can just tolerate more, like just be more tolerant of it. And it's like, what? well, maybe, but like, what are the costs? There's always costs, right? Like when people are like, oh, um, like, uh, um, let me think of an example. It'd be kind of like when, like, the big kids were playing a game in the in at recess, <laughs> and the teacher would come out, and they'd be like, "Hey, big kids, y'all need to include, y'all need to be tolerant of the little kids. How about the little kids here? What are they saying? They're saying that we are intolerant of the continued exclusion of these little kids." And, but, like, I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but it always sucked. Like, it always w was worse to have the little kids play. We'd always be like, crap, ugh, now we have to, like, not play as well. Now it's like a fake game now. Now it sucks. Now it's, now it's just babysitting, and the adults would, like, the adults have the satisfaction of thinking that, that we have the enjoyment of playing the game with the little kids, but really we don't. Really, it's just glorified babysitting. You should pay us now. Right now, if you're going to disrupt our game, pay us for babysitting these little kids. So, like every act of tolerance comes with an act of intolerance. Okay. All right. Last thought. White privilege. <laughs> it's such a it's such a cultural thing. 
but, you know, I, I hinted at, um, I, I mentioned in the podcast about Glenn Lowry. Uh, I think he gave us such a really good concrete example of, of a con- you know, and everything is contextual. Everything is contextual. Everything. And in the context of, um, unfortunately for Glenn, I don't know, uh, I believe he said that it was to this day and not in the past. I really hope that it was in the past and not today, but I recognize, you know, terrible things still happen today. There's still racism today, um, although much less than there was before. It still exists, and it's worth, you know, saying it's bad, of course, and confronting it when it happens, um, and proactively to some extent. Um uh, but like, uh, so, but I'm, so I'm going, I'm preparing to go back to grad school. I'm, well, I'm applying to go back to grad school and I really hate the, the, the trainings that I have to go through these like totally oversimplified ideological trainings that, that they're, they're just like political slogans and they make you like take these quizzes like, oh my gosh, I had to take this quiz for, I, I probably shouldn't say it too specifically. Now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to say it exactly what it was. But um, the question was something like, um, so-and-so said something that, it, like, Jim said something that offended Pam. Um, how, should you, how should you help Pam uh, communicate that she was offended to Jim? And one of the options was, like, confront Jim uh, on behalf of Pam about how offensive it was. And one of the other options was like, ask Pam to talk to Jim about it and offer that you can be part of the conversation. And I obviously picked the second one. Like Pam can fight her own battles. She's an adult. Isn't she? Isn't she an adult? Is she not an adult? It seemed like she was an adult, right? And not a child. Um, so she can handle herself, can't she? But no, that was wrong. The correct answer was just to just to like ridicule Jim and be like, Jim, you're terrible. You're wrong, Jim. How dare you say that to Pam? And I had to select that to continue. I hate that. Talk about brainwashing. That's an attempted brainwashing by these institutions. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be a troublemaker. Uh, maybe I am. You know what? I definitely am. I totally am trying to do that. Uh, but what I hate so much is when the people who are like teaching the class have absolutely no self-awareness of the crap that they're doing and the harm that they're perpetuating. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it's so bad. Um, but I was thinking about the white privilege thing. And if someone was like, oh, all white people have white privilege, right? And I, I'm not denying that there are contexts in which there are, you know, many uh, maybe not that many, but there are definitely certain contexts in society today still, particularly in Europe. Oh my God, particularly in Europe, not as much in America, but in Sweden, for example, where like freaking everyone is white, <laughs> the racism there, like people get so upset about the racism in America and, and like, good, you know, but I think they can kind of lose a little bit of the perspective of like how far we've come and like go to Europe for a little bit and, uh, and then see what it's like there, and then get back to me. Um, but uh, it's like, well, does like Jay Z have more privilege than a um, opiate than a white opiate addict in a trailer park in Appalachia? Right, bringing context, actually making it concrete with context. Does he have more privilege? And if they were to be like, uh, well, 
well, yes, but and they'd be like, oh, so how the question to ask is, so how white does someone need to be to have white privilege? And how do you determine how white they are? Racial essentialism. Tell me, tell me the essentialness, right? Um, I think that's a good way to kind of go about making that conversation more concrete. And it's not to say there's no such thing as white privilege. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we just need to be specific because everything is contextual. What do you mean? What's the context? Okay, I know I said that was my last thought, but I actually had this thing that I hated so much. I have to give a shout out to this guy. This guy is the worst. Um, he is terrible. Um, his name, if you're listening, go screw yourself. Um, Deacon, <laughs> Deacon Jerome Wright of Voice Buffalo. Go fuck yourself. This guy is the worst. I couldn't believe it. I was listening to NBR this morning, and they were talking about the Buffalo shooting, which was awful. Oh, my God. And, it, you know, it was in this grocery store. And apparently this grocery store is one of the very few grocery stores in the area. And um, apparently this guy, this deacon grifter, who is just trying to have a problem with something, is saying that they shouldn't reopen the grocery store because, and I quote, this is a quote from him, sending family members and workers back into that same place with people whose families was massacred is the height of insensitivity to me. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry, Deacon. I'm so sorry that people wanting to buy food in an area where there's not that many grocery stores and there is one that can just be reopened. I'm so sorry that that offends your sensibilities. And I'm sure that you're someone who doesn't have a problem going to another grocery store, right? Who doesn't have the time or economic constraints to consider. And also, do you really want to prolong the trauma? Maybe, maybe instead of, should we just shut down every single place where there's a mass shooting, all the schools and theaters, should we just go, oh, well, we can never work through the trauma. We should just avoid it from now on. Like, we can't be strong people. We're just weak. We're just pathetic, psychologically weak people who can never overcome trauma in life, and we're just doomed. We're just doomed forever when a bad thing happens. Is that what you're saying? And you're all, like, just the... It, it, it's like he was trying so hard to be like, how can I be mad about this? How can I make this about me, right? I, I bet he's going to like run for some political office here soon, right? Horrible. Just, just totally despicable. I can't. Like so much, so much of activism it is just people getting, making other people who would never have been upset about the thing, like of course give everyone a break, like give them like a month off so that they can you know, work through it. But like, if you say like, well, everyone's fired now, all of the people who had jobs before, they should just be fired. And, and he also was like, well, just build new grocery stores. It's like, well, why aren't there grocery stores in the first place? It sure is easy. Are you going to build them, Mr. Deacon? Like, gosh, just the worst. It's like, he's just like, I'm super morally sensitive and I'm angry about this and care about me and my opinion. And in like NPR giving, talking about, like this as though like well there's a debate about <laughs> there's a debate about whether or not we should uh, further hurt the community that has suffered this mass shooting and prolong their psychological trauma or not there's really there's a debate about that <laughs> and like to not play any of the clips 
from like just what on earth is happening like uh okay <laughs> and on that note uh <laughs> until next time